0: Hello, and welcome to Presenting, a podcast where we chat about various topics related to role-playing games, typically Paizo products such as Pathfinder and Starfinder, but also others. I'm John Godek, and with me today is Jacob Blackman. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you
1: so much for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's great to connect with you. And, um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm excited is because you've actually done the artwork for our two seasons that we've had of Intrepid Heroes. And uh, so it's like everybody. That's one of the things for my players. One of the, one of the ways I get them really juiced up is to get new art for them. And so I really appreciate uh, what you've done for us. And we'll actually circle back at the end here, and you can tell other people how they can get art as well. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, Jacob has worked as a freelance artist for over ten years, working with companies such as Fading Fainting Goat Games, Misfit mm-hmm. Studios, Wright Publishing in rogue genius games he has dipped his toes into writing with lunar knights and the superpowered bestiary which i have here uh <laughs> jacob's current project um is the Superpowered powered legend series for the mutants and masterminds rpg uh you can find a collection of jacob's work at prodigyduck.deviantart.com, and if you'd like to support jacob you can find him at his Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Jacob Blackman. Um, first of all, I want to say I really love Mutants and Masterminds. So I'm really excited uh, for these new the new project that you're working on there. Um, I interviewed uh, Nicole a while back and mm-hmm. um, talked to her about that. And I've interviewed Owen as well. So I'm, I'm really excited. I like Mutants and Masterminds. I just haven't got a game in. So, well, I do have a, a fun, uh, mo- moderately
1: well-known uh, Starfinder product that you might might have heard of, as mm. the uh, Starfarers uh, Expanded uh, Bestiary, where our Legacy Bestiary, where I converted a bunch of uh, monsters that hadn't been taken from Pathfinder yet and made the, and brought them into Starfinder and gave them some fun Starfindery backgrounds to. Yep get them native
0: to alien worlds and that sort of thing. I've seen that, but I also have kind of related to that back here on my shelf. Uh, I believe this is your artwork as well in the advanced occult guide. (laughs) Absolutely. From, uh, Alex, the goodness everybody games. Yeah. Your artwork is very distinct, very distinct. So uh, yeah. I'm excited to see it everywhere. And actually how I uh, got connected with you, I was looking for art for our, our podcast and it was Alex that recommended I get you. So, so that, that worked out really, Fantastic. really well. So, so Jacob, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your journey to becoming an RPG artist and writer now?
1: Oh boy. uh, I'm I'm curious if you want the the full version or
0: the abridged version. <laughs> well, uh, the full version I think is what people really want to know. They want to get to know the real authentic you. Okay, so.
1: Uh well, I've always been uh pretty heavy into illustrating. I got into comic books in around 1988 with uh the Transformers. Yes, I started with non-superhero comics uh my my favorite titles back in the day were like transformers and star trek i was a big Mm sci-fi geek uh i didn't actually get into superhero comics until the release of the jim lee x-men number one that was 1991 all right yes i remember that um let's see i was 14 at the time Uh, that and that is about the time where i discovered role-playing games thanks to mm-hmm. my friends uh, uh my my best friends at the time alphonse k and justin clark uh they they introduced me to D D, and i was like i i i don't have to be the strange overweight loser at school i i could i get to be a heroic knight and <laughs> and fight evil things and oh wow this is amazing i i was hooked so you fast forward basically to the release of Magic the Gathering in ninety-three and the 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 subsequent trading card boom that happened after that where everyone's mm-hmm. releasing their own collectible trading card game. And uh my home my hometown, we had a a uh game the game spot was called North Coast Role Playing. Shout out to Barry Osser. Uh and he was producing his own magazine uh, mm-hmm. called *The Collectible Games Monthly*, and that is where I did pretty much my first gaming art. Uh, I, I I looked at some of the stuff out of uh, *Magic: The Gathering* and a couple other pieces, and tried to emulate a few styles in there. And some of those uh, art pieces that I did went into his magazine, and that's pretty much my first official credit. Mm-hmm. After that, it's 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 a lot of. Um, mostly just commission work here and there uh for individual people until the uh the D20 boom in 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 the early 2000s when the open gaming license mm-hmm. just gave us this golden age of independent creators and developers for gaming and it was a really great time uh to to see all this imagination creativity come about thanks to the open gaming license Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and of course people needed artists then uh and i was contacted by owen casey stevens to work with a company that he was with at the time called uh interactive design adventures and i did a few pieces for him there and uh i was noticing that there were a lot of uh independent books that were about like vampires and mummies Mm. and all the fun little ravenloft creatures but nothing like lycanthropes and werewolves which was a subject i knew quite a bit about and so i decided to produce something that was called lunar nights Mm-hmm. and i get this together I, I get a nice manuscript i get all the art together and it's it's really early in my art career so if if you ever find a copy of lunar nights <laughs> and see and see all my work in it just mm-hmm. please forgive me i was young <laughs> uh and, and i turn all this into owen and they love it and they publish it and two weeks after it's released, Wizards of the Coast announced we're not doing 3.0 anymore. We are now doing D&D 3.5. Mm-hmm. So the book flops because oh, no I mean, one wants any of the old rules right, stuff right, anymore right, right, because right. these new rules are coming out and it's going to change everything. The new And 3.5 was honestly better. Hmm. They, the, a, lot, a lot of yes. the changes they made really helped the system. There was a lot of broken stuff with 3.0 so unfortunately my my first foray into game writing kind of flopped pretty hard it received a couple of nice reviews and i i thank people for for for, for picking up my product and, and 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 giving me the reviews i did but it is what it is uh so again we fast forward a couple of years uh, i'm mostly doing a couple of uh Couple of things here and there. I'm not really getting a lot of stuff in the gaming industry. Most of the stuff I'm doing is for individual people. And mm-hmm. then I'm contacted by Mike Lafferty, uh, who at the time was working for a company called, I believe, Valiant Press, and they're doing some wow. superhero-based adventures. Wow, yeah. And I start doing some work for them, and uh, I, I do I do some more work for them. Mike eventually leaves the company and forms his own company, Fainting Goat Games, and I continue doing work for him. And eventually Owen starts doing work for uh, Super Genius Games and starts coming to me for some bestiary projects because artists that he had hired for these projects totally flaked on him. He knew I was fairly fast as an artist and really needed work done this week mm, like wow. a dozen creatures in less than a week. Wow. And I was like, "I'll see what I can do and I do it." They're very happy. It happens again like 2 to 3 weeks later where the, where another artist flakes on them, they come to me asking me for asking me to do art. I get it done in this insane schedule, and I start becoming <laughs> their go-to emergency artist. Mm, mm. Later on, they start coming to me for regular projects, which I'm very thankful for. So I don't have to have the insane schedule. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, after, and that that pretty much continues for a while until the day Owen and uh, Steve Russell. Uh, who has who has since passed on uh, are are doing a podcast, and they're they're talking with some other artists about the, their favorite artists to work with in the industry, and my name gets brought up. And that weekend, I am pretty much working for like one or two companies to working for over a dozen RPG companies. Wow. On various different projects. Mm-hmm. I'm working for Christina Styles. I'm working for uh, Adventure a Week. Uh it, it just it blows up from there. And that is pretty much what I've been doing since then. Uh I I I had I had a job, a day job dishwashing, and then one day Christina Styles says I'm going to hire you as the sole artist on this one project. What is your price for this many pieces? And it's like, okay, if I'm going to be working on that many pieces, I'm going to need half up front because it's going to take me a long time mm-hmm. to do all that. And she, and she agrees. And with that money, I quit my job because it is more, it is more money than I have ever had. -hmm. Uh and it allows it has since allowed me that freedom to be to move from part-time freelance artist to full-time freelance artist. That project, by the way, was um uh the guide to witches. Mm -hmm. Uh Strange Brew is what it was called. Strange Brew. Mm -hmm. And yeah, since then I have been a full-time illustrator for the tabletop industry i've worked on uh, a number of projects for like i said over a dozen companies which for a lot of people is usually unheard of the uh, most artists that i speak to work with maybe two or three perhaps as many as six different companies so the fact that i've had so many different people come to me for art has just been a blessing It's, it's been wonderful I've worked on fantasy projects, sci-fi projects, horror, superheroes, uh post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic and aftermath stuff, all sorts of different genres and it's really helped me improve my portfolio. And yeah, that's where we pretty much find ourselves today. Uh I'm 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 continuing to work full-time. Uh I've managed to uh not only do work work as an illustrator, but I've started doing more and more writing as well. Uh, I I pretty much specialize mostly in uh, things like bestiaries because I love monsters. I love working on monster projects. So Mm -hmm. things things like bestiaries and, and NPC books, those are my favorite things to do.
0: Now, you don't have your own publishing company though, do you? I do not.
1: Uh, everything I do has been through other companies. Uh, primarily, when I'm when I'm doing stuff that are that are uh, that I write for, it's been through um, Rogue Genius Games mm-hmm. and Fainting Goat Games, with a couple of things through Misfit Studios as well, under mm-hmm. Christina
0: Stiles. It just seems like um, one of the most expensive things for projects is the art, and you have that. So it's like, man, you could be turning out all kinds of stuff yourself if you wanted to. So that's that's. It just seems like a great opportunity. It it is certainly
1: fun, uh, it, and it and it's helpful, especially when when I'm writing a project, and ha- having that knowledge of what I want the art to look like, mm-hmm. I can do that. <laughs> right. Right. Now,
0: now, how did you learn how to draw in the first place? I presume it was it, your, your it's pencil or pen and ink, and mm-hmm. now you've transitioned to digital. Yes. So can you talk about how you learned, how you kind of got better at it, and then that transition? Absolutely. Uh, when when I first
1: started, I, I, I pretty much was have been drawing since I was a kid. I really got uh, known for it uh, when I was like seven years old. I, I I became I became that art kid, uh, in school because I whenever I wasn't working on a school project or something, I was drawing. So um, a, a, and I think I think the the earliest drawing I can remember doing was a picture of Ultraman, who's yeah. a very popular uh, Japanese superhero. He fights he mm-hmm. fights kaiju, and it was it yeah. was it was a really yeah really neat looking characters with his red and silver outfit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I really like the look of that and how, how dynamic it was. And so that, that was one of, like I said, one of the first pictures that I can remember doing. And with my love of things like uh, the Transformers and GI Joe and Robotech and all those amazing eighties cartoons, I was really inspired to, to draw, to draw more stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like I said, I didn't I didn't discover comics until I was like eleven years old four, and fourteen. Mm-hmm. So I I, w- I didn't actually start doing anything like superheroes until much later. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Now, have you had any formal training, or you're all self taught with this? No,
1: the, this is pretty much all all self taught. Uh, I had a couple of other artist friends who who showed me some of their techniques, and apparently the way I hold my pencil is weird (laughs) (laughs) because i i i don't know how it's weird it's just how i hold it yeah um but yeah uh i i i started i started just regular pencil and paper pen pen and ink uh i read Uh, how to draw comics the Marvel way. I had the videotape for it as well Mm -hmm. with with Stan Lee and his exuberance, and he was just Mm -hmm. fascinating. Uh, And yeah, I tried to emulate the styles. Uh, Later later on, when I discovered comic books, I tried to emulate the styles of the artists who I really liked. Uh, And, and, you know, going into uh, the 90s, uh, Mm. the 90s boom of comic books, as an artist was a fascinating time because there were some really good artists uh, during that era
0: in the nineties
1: and a couple of the really bad ones as well. Uh, So you had to, you had to really be careful whose style you decided to emulate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And later on, I was gifted, thankfully a digital tablet and I had, already, I had already had some experience working with Photoshop for uh, doing coloring and some, some photo alterations. Uh, so when I got the tablet and I could just draw on the screen utilizing Photoshop, I knew how to manipulate some techniques and some styles and mm-hmm. uh, put, those, put what I had learned with that skill into my illustration and it has not only made me faster as an artist Mm -hmm. which i didn't think was possible uh but uh i'm able to do some special effects things now utilizing the digital medium that i was Mm -hmm. never ever able to do Mm -hmm. with pen and paper
0: like uh like some of the transparency stuff i imagine and things like that
1: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. The tra- yeah. The transparency background—you uh, mm-hmm. know, ha- the way the way you can the way you can make one layer uh, tr- slightly translucent so you can right. so you can give those ghosts effects. You know, mm-hmm. I can draw the ghost entirely solid, right. and then I just adjust that layer where you can see the background and everything behind the ghost, and that suddenly makes it creepy.
0: Yeah, that's what I was just looking at for the advanced occult guide. You know that there's this uh, there's this ghost up here, and I'm thinking, yeah, that'd be really hard to do that translucent. I mean, you could do it, but it basically would be a line drawing over yeah. over something. So this is much more detailed. Uh, you mentioned so in the '90s you got into comic books, and you mentioned uh, Jim Lee in particular. Uh, do you have a favorite comic book artist? So I'll ask you that, and also. You know, looking at your style and, and when you started, so you came in after Jack Kirby, which was a you know obviously a big Marvel guy. What's your thoughts on his style? So, ask, tell me your favorite. Then the, your thoughts on Jack Kirby?
1: Okay. Uh, well, my I would have to say my favorite artist all time. Uh, I have to hand that to Masamune Shirō, hmm. who is the who is a, a Japanese illustrator. Who's the creator of uh, some amazing series like Appleseed, Dominion, Tank Police? But these days, uh, he's mostly known for Ghost in the Shell.
0: Oh, okay, which okay. is
1: uh, he? He? He's he's very definitive in his cyberpunk style mm-hmm. and the cyberpunk stories, uh, and he had a huge, huge influence on mm-hmm. my art because i I, di- I discovered him really early in my uh teenage years and i i continue to collect his books to this to this day he mm-hmm. he produces art books pretty regularly and i continue to collect them they're they're just amazing
0: mm-hmm.
1: um as for jack kirby uh yeah jack kirby is is an is an excellent artist and he, you know, he, he pretty much defined what it was to be uh, a, a comic artist at the time. The fact that you, you have to be quick, you have to be in, you have to be creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to be able to work big. You have to be able to work small. He, 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 he pretty much defined all that, but in, in the same manner, I will also say that while I love Kirby for who he was and what he did, uh, I don't think his art is great. I yes. think I think he, I as an artist, <laughs> I think he as an artist yes. was great, yeah. Yeah. but I'm not a big fan of his actual style. Yeah, because if you look at his actual style, he he's got the punchy things. It's like four tires. Yeah,
0: yeah. At
1: the at the at the end of a lump. Yeah. Instead of that that doesn't look, that doesn't look like a fist. That looks yeah, like he doesn't four have tires he Doesn't have a lot of definition of in it. You
0: know. <laughs> uh, the reason why I bring it up is you know you, you mentioned uh, Jim Lee. Uh, I remember um, so Jim Lee, and then who was doing the early Spider Mans Zen? um uh that was oh, um yeah. mcfarland yeah oh yeah mcfarland was doing
1: spider-man at the time
0: yeah and so looking at those i mean that's it's such beautiful artwork you mm-hmm. know the the spider-man the new series they did that the first issue we did i have like you know they had like a gazillion different covers i have all of them you know and all the different colors and things and it's just so gorgeous and i just look at that in contrast i started collecting comic books in the early 70s and so Mm -hmm. that was a lot of jack kirby influence you know for all those things and then you would get you know through the 80s every once in a while you get um like neil adams is an early comic book artist that was really gorgeous and so for me i actually collected comic book artists that's what that's kind of how i you know i collected a bunch of books but then you'd get specific artists for things so i was just kind of curious uh, you know the thoughts on it because I, I saw a, um, you know, Stan Lee did a retrospective talking about Marvel and start of Marvel. And he talked about the importance of, uh, of Jack Kirby and, and what he did and everything. And I agree. I think he did a tremendous job there. It's just not a style now that I, that I find very appealing, mm-hmm. you know. So I was just kind of curious because uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert artist. So I thought, oh, I'll ask somebody who knows um so kind of speaking of uh of the art you do so you do a lots of different genres um mm-hmm. does your style change each time you take on you know like some some of your westerns that you have or when you're doing sci-fi or or you're doing horror or you're, you're doing fantasy um i i notice when i see see the different things you're working on there's a lot of similarities i'm just kind of curious how you frame or change your style to fit those contexts? Uh, My, my style
1: does change subtly. uh, Yes. Uh, I, I do, I do have, and am known for a distinctive style of artwork Mm -hmm. and I try to, I try to have that in uh, whatever project I do because people come to me for a reason. They want Mm -hmm. that work. Uh, But yes, there, there are, there are differences that you, that one needs to change their style. Based on the project that they're doing, uh, I get some work for the old school uh, Renaissance RPG crowd, and in that in that context, they want the the black and white style art. Mm. And
0: right, right, right. When
1: when you're working black and white as opposed to color, which is my normal medium, you have to think much more about what the shading is going to look like. The mm. you know the dark spots and the light spots and where uh and all that sort of thing uh and how uh, instead in instead of instead of doing shading just in giant black blotches uh you know having the cross hatching or the or like the woodwork right. uh line strokes for mm-hmm. uh, that and that sort of thing uh because that's that's the kind of art that people want to see for the old school style art uh for especially for the old school fantasy art uh for you know science fiction you want you want a little more you want a little more poppy you want you want things bright and flashy Mm -hmm. uh unless of course it's supposed to be one of those dark gritty gritty grim futures uh but but for but for my personal style of science fiction things should be brightly lit and ha- and there should be light on the clothing and reflective panels mm-hmm. and pockets and and you know all the and and gadgets and doodads that that people have. So yeah, it's it, it there there are changes that need to be done based on what project you're working on. Absolutely. Uh, and and how how your
0: technology is going to look, of course. Right. 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 Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Super Powered Legends that uh, that you're working on now and the kind of that series that's going on? Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh yeah, Super Powered Legends is my love letter to Marvel Comics. Uh when Mutants of Masterminds was released uh, for their for their third edition, uh they had the license for DC Universe as as a as a, as a mm-hmm. world. So they created uh, a DC role-playing game, and they used the, the new third edition Mutants of Masterminds rules for these characters. These iconic Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, all these amazing characters. And they released several books, uh, including uh, two roster books that just pretty much had almost any and every DC character you could imagine. mm mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And, of course, here are the fans saying, "Why don't you release Marvel as well?" Well, because they didn't have the license for Marvel right Meanwhile, uh on the Mutants of Masterminds forum uh there uh, there are these pages and pages and pages of fans like myself who are who are writing characters from everything. Here's our very here's our variant uh, DC write-ups. How we would write them instead of how Green Ronin mm-hmm. wrote them. Uh, here's our Marvel characters, and uh, here here's our char- here here's our ver- characters from these different independent comic book series. And here's our here's how we would write up characters from this anime series. And I became known on those forums for. My bestiary, uh, because I was writing up every every creature, whether it was animal, mythological monster, uh, transferred over from D&D, uh, I, I, I quickly became known for that. And after I had written up every monster I could think of, I started writing Marvel characters, because Marvel yeah. was always my comic book yeah. universe. Yeah. <laughs> I I the like the, the the first like I said earlier before the first superhero comic I got was X-Men. And I I stuck with Marvel pretty much uh pretty much exclusively after that. I've read a few I've read some DC. I can tell you all about DC, but Marvel is always what is closest to my heart. And after I had written up all these Marvel characters uh including some really, really obscure characters. Uh, Owen was lo- Owen was uh, Kay- Owen Stevens was looking at all this work I had done. is like, you know if you filed off the serial numbers gave these characters <laughs> entirely different names backgrounds and you did new art for them and like all of them all of them. Oh boy. <laughs> you You might be able to 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 sell, to sell a, a product like uh, for this and I thought about it I decided not to then I thought about it again, and I decided to try it uh and I released Recluse, who is my homage to spider man and i pretty much did and i pretty much labeled it as if you want to create a Friendly neighborhood, web-slinging, spider-powered hero for immune and Masterminds, this is how you do it. And it sold very well. The the following week, I released Redcap, who was... A crazy a crazy guy with a goblin mask who throws bombs and flies around on a bat on a bat-shaped little little flying platform. Guess who he is? Uh and it sold very well. Wow. And I was I I was so inspired by what I had I had started doing. I was writing a manuscript and drawing anywhere from two to three characters each day for about the first month. Wow. I had a backlog of these things.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: I sent them to Dropbox to, 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 to Owen and LJ for them to look over, edit and compile into PDFs. And they pretty much released one a week for a couple of years and it it, and it just kept selling and selling well and i was very happy and and that people were liking the 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 character build homages they were liking the different backgrounds you know it it, it's it's not the marvel universe but it's it has that feel of the Marvel right. universe. So people were very happy to finally get Marvel characters with mutants and masterminds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we released, uh, a collected book with, uh, like the first 200 characters that I had built. And that is the super powered legends source book. And I've continued to produce uh super powered legends PDF since then. Uh we're we're uh about since since the first one, uh I have released an adventure. Oh two sorry, two adventures. Uh a and I think about eighty new new characters on on individual PDFs since our first collected volume, which had like wow. 200, 250 characters in it.
0: So, what's your favorite Marvel character, and then what's the most obscure one that you've done?
1: Oh, I I would be hard-pressed to say who my favorite Marvel character is. Um, I, honestly, I, I like the powers and grandioseness of Thor, but I'm not I'm not a huge fan of a lot of the comics and adventures that uh, Thor tends to go on. If, if, if I was a, if I was a Thor writer, I would, I might do different things uh, for him. I, I just, I tend to think Thor does too much in Asgard, you know, Mm -hmm. whereas superheroes Mm -hmm. need to be in the public view. They need Mm -hmm. to be doing, they need to be doing things that, that people can see them do whereas a lot of thor adventures are in outer space or in yeah. asgard or at, at where where people don't know where he is or what he's doing mm-hmm. and this is one of the this is also one of the problems that i have with with like x-men is they are so insular yeah. it's like we're only dealing with mutant problems that you, then you're ruining the whole point of you being X-Men. The, the point of the X-Men is to be a superhero team in the public eye who are mutants to show that mutants are are good and, and can use their powers for good. Whereas if, you, if all you're doing is handling mutant problems in your insular little circle, you have defeated the purpose. So, the, my little rant there.
0: But yeah, Thor.
1: <laughs> I, I would I have to I would have to say
0: Thor. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was just kind of thinking of this question. I, I like the X Men a lot. That I collected them a long time. Um, you know, I used to have the original X-Men, like I think down to number issue three. So I mean that that far. Um I like Rogue a lot. Oh um, yes. Rogue post Miss Marvel, I guess. You know, just kind mm, of a really yes. interesting skill set and in in powers and the character usually is kind of really really kind of cool but okay what's an obscure character that you've developed then oh are you familiar with grizzly yes yes
1: okay then that's not obscure enough (laughs) um Yeah, Gri- Grizzly was my Grizzly would be, would have been my go-to because okay. cause I, when I when I found him I was like who the heck is this? Is a guy in a bear
0: suit? <laughs> have you done like all of Alpha Flight and stuff like that? And
1: uh, I have not yet done Alpha Flight, but I have plans for Alpha Flight. Okay. Yes, because
0: so I think I think they would be you know like Puck and Sasquatch. Those guys are kind of obscure for most traditional Marvel folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and they're kind of interesting backstory, you know, for things. Interesting. All right. So um, you know, I, I had some commission work done done by you, which turned out fantastic. You were very responsive, very quick when we suggested changes. I remember at the end of our, our second set, I was trying to do group picture and I had you do like multiple iterations to get it right. Um, can you talk about how if somebody wants to get commission work done, um how they would do that? And while you're doing that, tell me what Prodigy Duck means too. Okay. Uh well to 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 get to get that
1: quickly done uh prodigy duck was the it e- was the email address that I had to develop real quick when I first discovered email uh, at the time it was more popular to use a internet handle as mm. opposed to utilizing your real name yeah and and so that's pretty much what I did because I didn't think ahead that maybe someday I would be known more popularly as Jacob Blackman.
0: Right, right, right.
1: <laughs> so at the time I was developing my first email, uh, I was listening to the band Prodigy, but I figured I couldn't just use Prodigy. I was sure, you know, just just one word wasn't going to go through. And then I'm, so I'm, so I'm looking around the room and behind me, my roommates are watching a Daffy Duck cartoon. <laughs> okay. So I type in prodigy duck. Okay. All right. Email accept email name accepted, and that that's the that's the magic of my <laughs> imagination there for an internet handle. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like like I said, if if I knew then what I knew now, I would be using my own name. Yeah. But that is what it is. Uh, um, as as for uh, commission work, uh, anyone who wants to uh, commission uh, get a hold of me for commissions. Uh, I have several social media uh, means that they can get a hold of me. I'm active on Facebook. I'm active on Twitter. Currently, yes, that I may that may be ask. less later. Yeah. Um. And I also have a presence on DeviantArt, and on all of those pages, on my, on my uh, front face page, my profile page, is, uh, you, may, you may have to pan down a bit, but it's there, is my rate sheet, uh, and on my rate sheet is contact information what my rates are for what size of piece do you want whether it's an individual character illustration or something larger i i have stuff for for between individual character illustrations to if you want a if you want this to be a cover piece for for your your book i have rates for all of that on there mm-hmm. and like i said the contact information is on there as well it, send send me an email Ask me if is do you have time? Is I I want I would like something like this, and if you if you haven't seen my rate sheet, I will quote you a price. And yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Um, I usually allow a little back and a little back and forth between you know the rough. There's there's usually a back and forth process mm-hmm. between the the rough draft process and the final piece for changes and alterations here and there. But that's that's pretty typical. Uh, cause that it's, it's fairly rare when a rough
0: draft is like, go with that. Yes, that is perfect. <laughs> good, good to know because we always seem to make uh, a couple changes there. I, I will say I found you very quick, uh, in terms of um, when you could commit, you, your timeline was very quick compared to a lot of other people I talked to. Cause when I first, uh, contacted you, I think about our second, uh, season, you were too busy at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I started looking other places. And then when I circled back or maybe you even contacted me, then you had availability. So it was kind of a an, an interesting thing there. But I also found that your prices were very competitive too. So uh, in fact, lower than uh, some lesser known folks, I'll say out there. Um, so I, I would highly recommend anybody interested in getting uh, commission pieces or, you know, in our case, this was like stuff for our podcast it wasn't like we're just doing it for our characters um i i find it very very reasonable and and, and quick um do you have advice for folks that are interested in becoming freelance artists and in uh writers as well oh absolutely
1: i've 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 thought long and hard of the kind of stuff i would talk about if ever i'm on like a uh a, a convention panel so I, my my advice is, is well-practiced and rehearsed. Um, treat it like a job, because this is your job. If you are going to be a freelance illustrator, work your work hours, and otherwise take your time off. You know, mm. take breaks in the day. Take your lunch during the day. Don't work from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. It's your job. Work eight hours, then stop Hmm. and have the rest of the day to yourself. The only time I tend to break that rule for myself is if I'm close to having a project done, or maybe I'm a little behind. Uh, But I try not to break those rules as, as as a general rule, because otherwise I'll find myself getting into deep trouble with my with my mental health, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, treat treat it like a job. Make sure you stay in communication with your clients so they know realistic timetables. Uh, make sure you make sure you have that rate sheet because mm-hmm. that way you're not telling one client right. a-, a different price than you're telling another client because you never know like the who's who's talking to who and it's like hey i right. con- i contacted Jacob Blackman he said he'd do that for $50. I contacted Jake Black he said he'd do the same thing for $75. That jerk, let's lynch him. You know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um so yeah, make make sure you have make sure you have proper communication, proper channels. Um uh and yeah, men- take your take your mental health breaks. Treat it like a job. Uh, if you don't have a contract, try to ha- try to make sure that you're 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 working with people who you can trust, or get get or make sure they can have a contract for you. Uh, so so far I have been lucky with the people I've worked with. There have been a couple of cases where I've done some pieces w- uh, without a contract, and I've. Not received any money for you mm. know hundreds of dollars of work that I've done wow. because they just took the art and left. We didn't have a contract, and that there's nothing I can do about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so be careful with who you work for um and this is why and this is a, another reason why if I am working on a particularly big project. Or if I'm even if I'm working on a small project with some with someone who I'm not familiar with, I'll usually ask for half upfront, right. non-refundable, and I will specifically make that this is for my time that I'm going to be putting in. Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. you accept the final pro- the, the rough draft or not, this is money I get to keep mm-hmm. because I'm mm-hmm. putting because that's that's the work I'm initially
0: putting in. Yeah, no, I, I I I think that's a a fair prospect, yes. Um, yeah, that's that's that's
1: that's mostly what I have in in terms of advice for 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 writers
0: and artists. I have another question and it's not on on the overview, but it's something I I I've been thinking about and asking folks more often. How did COVID affect you and your work that you were doing? Oh.
1: oh. Uh it it did um staying indoors for long periods of time has not been great Mm -hmm. i i am in terrible physical shape because uh because of covid and uh due to the fact that the weather has gone incredibly extreme uh in in these post-covid years we're not post-covid we're still in covid Mm -hmm. um I haven't been able to get out and exercise as much as I used to. Um, because either the weather's too hot or too cold, and so I can't get my, my steps in. It's very mm. difficult to do that. Um,
0: what about as an artist?
1: As an, as an artist? I hate to say it, but 2020 was one of my best financial years. A lot of people were having were having problems uh in in that year because they couldn't go to work
0: meanwhile i had one of the best years i've ever had yeah I, I talked to a couple of publishers and they kind of said the same thing they were they they couldn't get uh paper content they couldn't get paper actually to publish yeah. on but pdfs they yeah. they just went through the roof because a lot of folks were at home a lot of folks were playing games remote, and they needed content, and I, that's why I was kind of curious to see if that kind of so those those folks were needing more art. Absolutely! Wow. Right. So what's uh what's next for Jacob? What kind of cool things are you working on now besides your super powered legends that you continue to work on? <laughs>
1: uh besides besides that i have a few projects uh that i'm that i'm working on uh there are some new projects that i'm that are soon to be released by fainting Goat games uh there there were some fun games that were released by uh by bloat games eric bloat is an is an amazing game writer and he writes fun games these these games may not be Complex or 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 huge tour de force world changing games, but they are fun to play because just some some of the concepts. Like I'm I've been a huge Transformers fan, and there hasn't been a Transformers RPG, but he released a a RPG called Valor Knights: The Electrocube Wars, <laughs> and uh me and Mike Lafferty of Fainting Goat Games. Ran with this. We produce our own, and because because Eric Bloat wrote it with an OGL, right. we started making our own characters. We started writing adventures, and so we have a Champions of the Electric Cube War product out right now, which has a bunch of characters that we that we've written up, and we're about to start uh, releasing adventures that we've written for the Electric Cube Wars uh we're going to be doing we're going to be doing that soon. Uh another uh another game that uh, Eric Bloat wrote was The Monsters Are Our Heroes. And this is where you're playing some of like classic universal monsters, vampires, werewolves, the invisible man, Frankenstein's monster, Gillman. Uh and you you are these creatures as player characters and you're fighting Strange Cthulhu monsters and mm. cryptids and, mm. and 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 others type of creatures like that. Mythological monsters, the, the children of the Titans. And, and you're basically, you are the things that go bump in the night that protect humanity from the worst things that go bump <laughs> in the night.
0: From the real monsters out there.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I've written an expanded bestiary because... Uh in his, in his initial book, there's like maybe a dozen monsters in there. Mm, yes. I wrote like three dozen. <laughs> three, three, three or three or four dozen creatures, gave gave made some new illustrations, and we're about to be to release the monsters are our heroes expanded bestiary soon through Fainting Goat Games. Awesome. Um Besides that, let's see. Owen recently contacted me uh, with all the art that i've been doing for inktober i've been doing with based on the prompts for inktober i've been doing a lot of new monster art, so they're like there's this new new gargoyle piece that I did, and there's this bat monster and these pumpkin monsters and all these strange little things and one of the, one of these days the prompt was Camping, and so I basically did a tent mimic. <laughs> okay, but Owen contacted me and said, "Do you want to do a series of monster products based on all these Inktober pieces you did?" And I was like, "Honestly, yeah, I think it would be a fun yeah. project. Just like, ha- just like all these these fun little Halloween monsters would be fun to do as a bestiary." And it's like I can i I've become Uh, familiar enough with, like, the 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons rules, Mm -hmm. and I already know things like Starfinder and Pathfinder 1. I'm Mm -hmm. not big, I I don't really know the Pathfinder 2 rules as big, but I could certainly do bestiary versions of these Halloween monsters Mm -hmm. for at least Mm -hmm. those three systems that I'm familiar with. And Owen says, that sounds great, Uh, and I I should be able to find people who could do conversions for like pathfinder 2 maybe like savage worlds and mm-hmm, other and mm-hmm. some other things that's like that sounds like a fun project so that's something that we're thinking about doing right now
0: nice well it sounds like um in addition to your day job being an artist you have a whole lot of other stuff going on as well
1: yes that is that is certainly the truth <laughs>
0: Well, thanks, Jacob, for taking the time, for joining us on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure having a chance to talk with you and get to know you better.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been great.